commit our time together to the Lord. Again, our Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace for bringing us together. Lord, we just uh, now pray as we meet together that we may fellowship together, that we may learn just that little bit more from your word, that we may enjoy it, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity again. Be with our speaker, we do ask. Bless him greatly. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Ernie. Morning, everyone. And if it's your first time here this year, we welcome you back from holiday. Happy campers. And we're going through Psalms of Choice. And uh, so far, nobody has chosen Psalm 119. Because if they did, you might miss out on parachute next weekend. So we're going to have a, a short psalm today. And next, next week, we have Varadin bringing a psalm. I'm not sure which psalm it is at this point. But uh, we'll look forward to that. I love the blend of hymns and songs at Hukunui. I just love it when the old hymns and the new hymns are given out. So thank you, Brother Jack, for the, for the hymn this morning. Kept the musicians on our toes, and we enjoyed it very much. Don't be, don't be afraid of the old hymns, young people. There's, there's a wonderful wealth in these hymns. And I want to show you a hymn this morning that we very rarely sing. And we'll put it on the screen. It's 217 in Light and Love. We're not going to sing it. Don't, don't, don't worry. I'm not going to sing it, but this is a, a hymn with an amazing story, and um, the writer is an, a man called Robert Robinson, and he was born in poverty in England in 1735, and this, the hymn is called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and uh, if we go down to verse 5, it says, prone to wander Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Keep my heart from wandering, keep it, till I'm perfected above. And Robinson, when he was eight years old, his father died, and when he was 14 years old, his mother sent him to London to learn to be a barber. And over the next few years, he joined a gang, and he got into a wicked life, and when he was 17 years old, he attended a meeting where a speaker called George Whitefield was speaking, and Robinson went along with his mates to scoff and to make mischief, as young people sometimes do, but not at Hukunui. And Robinson was there in the crowd, and George Whitefield was speaking, and George Whitefield's message touched Robinson's heart. And he was saved. He became a Christian. He trusted the Lord Jesus. From a life of sin, of rebellion, he became a believer. And some years later, he was called to preach, and he became a, a theologian, and he wrote a lot, and he wrote uh, several hymns, and this is one of them. When he was 23, he wrote this hymn, Come Thou Fount. Of every blessing. But this verse here, verse 5, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, that actually became true in Robinson's life. Sadly, it became true. And one day, this, this man, who was probably in his middle age by then, but he was on a stagecoach traveling, and there was a, a lady on that stagecoach, and uh, she was reading 
and humming a hymn. And it was this hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And she turned to Robinson and she said, what do you think of this hymn? And this man, Robinson, burst into tears and he said, Madam, I am the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago and I would give a thousand worlds if I had them to enjoy the feelings I had then. Burst into tears. I would give a thousand worlds if I had them to enjoy the feelings I had then. He was so sad because he had fallen away from the God that he had come to love. So our reading today is a psalm for a sinning soul. A psalm for a believer who realizes their awful plight of sin and their need for forgiveness. And we'll read together Psalm 130. Psalm 130, and the first word at the top of your text will show you that it's a song of ascents or degrees. That's a collection of 15 psalms sung by pilgrims on a journey during their travel for three feasts at Jerusalem. And these, this collection of psalms, 15 of them, were sung by travelers on a journey. And so it's a, it's a song that speaks of going up, and it's a journey. And so I've called this message today, The Journey of Forgiveness. Let's read together, Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. And so we have this psalm of forgiveness, and it's a psalm that perhaps you have read many times, I don't know. In the psalms there is at least seven of these types of confession psalms. They're called penitential psalms, a psalm for those who are sorry for their sins. Seven of them, and we'll be looking at some of the verses in those seven. I like to think that of those seven, there's one for every day of the week. And then you can start again, and that's not a bad thing to read these psalms again and again. For my young people today, I want to ask you another question. I've told you about an old hymn. Now I want to tell you something a little bit more modern. And that is, I want to ask you if you've heard of Pigpen. Does anybody know about Pigpen? Charles Schultz in his uh, wonderful cartoon strip called Peanuts created this character in 1954. And there we are. He's, um, he's a a wonderful character, and the thing about Pigpen is that's not his real name. We've talked about names this morning. 
and cutlery and things like that. Well, Pigpen, we don't know what his real name is because he's always called Pigpen. Always in quote marks, that's his name. And he's always in filthy overalls and there's a cloud of dust and dirt that just follows him everywhere he goes. And he sometimes refers to the cloud that surrounds him as being the dust of ancient civilizations. Imagine, very famous young man. The problem is he can't get rid of the dust. He can't seem to get clean. He cannot stay clean. One time he he's walking in a snowstorm and he's described in the cartoon as the only person who can get dirty in a snowstorm. And once after he, he had washed and dressed in clean clothes, Pigpen stepped out of the house and immediately he became dirty and disheveled. And he said to Charlie Brown, he said, you know what, I'm a dust magnet. And on another occasion, Pigpen decided it was important to have clean hands. And then after failing to wash his hands, he declared that he had reached the point of no return. Pigpen. In the 1990s in America, Pigpen appeared in a TV commercial, and this was a very rare event where Pigpen appears as clean because it's a television commercial for vacuum cleaners. And these vacuum cleaners sucked off all the dirt and filth off Pigpen. And that's one of the few times that Pigpen ever appears to be clean. And so we have a very sad state of affairs. Pigpen, Robinson, and all of these have in their hearts that sense of real weight of sin, a real burden, a real awareness that their hearts are not right. The signs of a penitential psalm, a confession psalm, typically there's confession of sin, there's supplication for forgiveness and healing, and often thirdly there's that stress on the reality of sin, the universality of it, the fact that everybody is in the same plight. I'll just give you a quick outline of Psalm 130. Firstly, we have in the path of forgiveness the fact that we cry and the Lord forgives, verses 1 to 4. And we'll spend most of our time on those four verses today. Secondly, we wait and the Lord gives hope, verse 5 and 6. We believe and the Lord redeems. And so those there are the the outline. And eight times in these eight verses, the key to forgiveness is pointed out as being the Lord. In eight verses... Eight times in this psalm, the Lord is mentioned, not in every verse, but eight times he is mentioned as the source and the answer to our problem. The psalmist commences out of the depths. He describes how he is in the absolute, absolute rock bottom of humanity and human experience. Literally, the word depths there is chaos. It's describing a heaving, raging sea, a torment, an incredible storm in his life. And deep down, the psalmist knows that the problem is his incredible sin and guilt before God. He cries out from the depths of human experience. Seven times in the Psalms, there is a penitential psalm recorded. And I just want to show you some of the 
the shared experiences of these psalms. Look, please, at Psalm chapter 6. And I want just to point out to you the, the reference again and again to bones. And uh, we'll just draw out some of the thoughts from there. Psalm chapter 6, verse 6. I grow weary because of my groaning. Every night I drench my bed with weeping and my couch with tears. My eyes are wasted with grief and worn away because of all my enemies. Verse 2 of chapter 6. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, for my bones are in agony. Psalm 32. Turn to Psalm 32. This is another penitential psalm. Psalm 32, verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Psalm 38. Psalm 38, verse 3. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. My bones have no soundness because of my sin. Verse 7. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. Psalm 51. Verse 8, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Psalm 102. These are all penitential psalms, psalms of confession. Psalm 102, verse 5, verse 4. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. Because of my loud groaning, I am reduced to skin and bones. And then we come to Psalm 130, and then also Psalm 143, just the final one, Psalm 143, verse 4. My spirit grows faint within me, my heart within me is dismayed. What a sad, sad state the psalmist finds himself in. Writers suggest that David wrote these psalms as he wrestled with sin, as he dealt with the enormous guilt in his soul, as he cried out from the depths of his being, out of the chaos, out of the absolute searing pain and agony of his sinful state. Those bones are not necessarily just aching bones. They refer in the Hebrew to the the whole being, David's whole life was in agony before God. Why? Because of the guilt of his sin. Deep distress, deep despair. And I ask you the question today, is sin so much trouble? Is it really that bad? Well, for those of us who are seeking God, yes it is. Yes it is. For those of us who want to know God, for those of us who love God and want to walk with him, any element of sin in our life is just like what we've been reading. 
It causes that incredible pain. It causes that grief. It fills us with tears. It causes us to lose sleep. We are in agony. Why? Because our relationship with God is in chaos. And like the pilgrim in John Bunyan's classic, we, we have this enormous weight, like an aching burden on our back. And we cry out to God, Lord, Lord, have mercy, Lord, heal me. There is a warning about sin. For those of us who don't take sin seriously, let me remind you that sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Jonah found that out. He ran away from God. He went to Joppa. He paid a boat fare, so sin started to cost him straight away. And he went down to Joppa, and then he went down even further, down into the abyss. And then he cried out to God from the depths of the oceans. And David found the same way. He was down, down, down in the depths of sin and rebellion. He describes it as sinking sand. He describes it as the miry clay. And he describes it as severing his relationship with God, sapping his strength, blighting his joy, blinding his vision, crippling him, haunting him, dogging his footsteps, drowning. And of course, the Bible says the end of sin is death. And so literally, as David writes this verse in Psalm 130, he's saying, out of the depths of death, I cry to you. And so in verse 2, we find that he asks God to hear his cry. He says, Lord, hear my cry. Be attentive to my cry for mercy. Do we need to ask God to hear our voice? Does God always hear our prayer? Is there such a thing as unanswered prayer? No, God can say yes. He can say no, and he can say wait. He might say no, he might say go, and he might say slow. But God always answers prayer. But here in the Psalms, we find that God can, at times, not hear our voice if we have sin in our heart. Look at Psalm 66, verse 18. Psalm 66, verse 18 says this, If I regard sin in my heart, the Lord will not listen. So if our prayer to God seems to be not going anywhere, is it because we have sin in our heart that has not been dealt with? If our relationship with God and with each other is in chaos, is it because of sin? I believe the Bible says it is. Look at Isaiah 59, verse 2, where God says, his arm is not too short to save us, but our sins have hidden his face from us so that he will not hear. And so we have the lesson that sin separates us from God. And so we have the psalm that we need to come back to. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. You see, as we read the psalms, as we read these confession psalms, we realize that we must be broken over our sin. We must be broken and cry out to God if we really want to have the psalm be real for us. We need to go down in order to rise up in God's presence. 
James chapter 4, verse 10, verse 7 to 10 says, Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. This is the pathway of forgiveness. This is the journey that we must follow if we want to have the restored relationship with a holy and righteous God. Sin separates, sin divides, sin is a barrier in our relationship and our communication with him. We cry to him for forgiveness. We are broken, we go down on our knees, we grieve, we mourn, and we wail before Almighty God. Sadly, we often live in denial. We often try and rationalize or justify or excuse or even try and just say, oh, well, that's just something small. Everybody else is doing that. You remember Adam and Eve and the serpent. And Adam blamed Eve. And then Eve blamed the serpent. And the serpent had no leg to stand on. And so that is the process that we often follow as we try and justify and rationalize. David in Psalm 32 describes how when he kept silent, his bones wasted away. It seems like for months and months possibly, he tried to just rationalize and excuse what he had done before God, living in denial and not humbling himself before God. In Luke chapter 18, we read about the, the proud Pharisee and the broken tax collector. And the proud Pharisee prayed, I'm thankful I'm not like this man here, robber, evildoer, adulterer, tax collector. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he could hardly even raise up his eyes to heaven, but beat upon his breast and he said, God, be merciful on me, a sinner. That is the sinner's prayer. That is the prayer from the heart that is broken before God. The right attitude is to cast ourselves on God, on his mercy, admit that we are in deep, desperate need, and to cry out for his forgiveness. In verse 3, the psalmist realizes his fearsome plight. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? A record of sins, imagine. You know, we're, we're surrounded by technology. We've got technology everywhere. And these days, everything that we do, believe it or not, we are leaving an, what they call an electronic footprint. That means that if forensics want to try and track you down, they'll look up cell phone records, they'll look up GPS records, they'll look up banking records, and so on. Nothing is hidden in these days. Snapchat is an application that erases a photo, but those photos aren't really all that safe, are they? They're not totally erased. And the psalmist here, he, he dreads the record of sin. He says, Lord, if you were to mark my sins, if you were to actually keep a record of my sin, I'm doomed. I am without hope. Imagine if that, uh, that terrible parking ticket, that speeding ticket, 
Imagine if that speeding ticket for $30 that I was telling you about recently, 55 kilometers on Boundary Road. I crossed the boundary, well, someone crossed the boundary on Boundary Road. Imagine if that, that ticket was always before me every time I rode and drove down Boundary Road. Imagine if when I come to cross that bridge, they say, stop, you can't go any further down Boundary Road. Sorry, you've got this ticket back in 1980. Wonderful. The psalmist says, Lord, if you kept a record of my sin, who could stand? Nobody. If God, the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-searching, all-righteous God, if he kept a record of you and me, none of us could stand in his presence. But verse 4 says, there is forgiveness with you so that you are feared. From guilt to forgiveness, we find that in verse 4, God is a forgiving God and he longs to have mercy upon us. He longs to hear our cry and forgive. First John 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just, faithful and just, to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 103, verse 8 to 12, tells us that the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in mercy, and he longs to forgive us. He understands our frame. He knows that we are but dust. I wonder if, as parents, sometimes you look at your child and you realize that child is just hungry and tired. And you look with compassion and incredible mercy. Well, God, the awesome, infinite God of heaven, the Father of his children. And it says in Psalm 103, like as a father pitieth his children, so he pities us. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he placed our transgressions. And so when we cry out to God, he is quick to forgive. How we need to be broken before God. How we need to be down on our knees in contrition, in confession, in crying out to Almighty God. When we are broken, when we are before him, he will forgive our sins. And David the psalmist found that out. In Psalm 51 he says, The sacrifice that you observe is a broken and a contrite heart. You won't despise that, almighty God. The God of heaven sees that cry from the sinning heart and he responds. By the way, it's not enough just to be sorry. Repentance is more than sorry. Repentance is a turning around. It's a resolve not to do it again. The outcome of true sorrow in our heart is found here, verse 4. There is forgiveness with you, therefore you are feared. That means that this week, I'm going to be careful how I drive down Boundary Road. That means that this week, we will be careful how we respond to one another in the light of God's word. There is forgiveness so that 
God is feared. He's reverenced. It's like the Sunday school teacher who asks the children, what does the word repentance mean? And one of the boys put up his hand, being sorry for your sin. That's a good answer. But then a girl raised her hand and said, teacher, it has been sorry enough to quit. And that's the point. There is forgiveness with you, therefore you are feared. In the last half of the psalm, we wait and the Lord gives hope. Verse 5, my whole being waits and in his word I put my hope. And these two verses, verses 5 and 6, are actually repeated because there is that sense of waiting and waiting. What is the psalmist waiting for? We know that God has forgiven. He's heard the cry of the psalmist. He has forgiven. So what's the psalmist waiting for? Perhaps he's waiting for God's intervention, for God's deliverance from the circumstances and the outcome, the effects of sin. And like a watchman in the night, he's waiting and longing for the light to dawn, for that light to shine on his pathway. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. This is the outcome of a sinning soul that has made peace with Almighty God. And so we can wait in prayer, we can wait in faith, and we can wait with patient trust, waiting for God's provision, God's guidance, Perhaps God's solution to the chaos that has resulted from our sin. Perhaps we have done or said something that has enormous consequences, that has incredible ramifications for those that we know and love. Perhaps there is healing and restoration needed that will take time, that will take unfolding. God, the gracious God, can be waited on to bring about his light on your pathway. Perhaps it's like broken bones that need mending. Just like when you have broken a limb, you won't rush out there and use that limb to play rugby. You will wait for that bone to knit and mend. And so we wait for the Lord, like watchmen waiting for the morning. As we wait for God, we renounce self-reliance. We just admit there's nothing I can do. There's nothing more I can do or say. It's in your hands, Lord. I roll this burden upon you. I rest in you, I wait for your deliverance. And as we humble ourselves and commit ourselves to God, when he acts, when he intervenes, we can clearly say, that was God at work, not me. That was his light dawning, and we can give thanks for that, out of the darkness into the light. In verse 7, the psalmist appeals to a wider audience. Now as he moves from his individual experience, he wants to share that experience with others. And he says, Israel, nation of Israel, put your hope in God. Turn to God. Taste and see that God is good. Why? There's two things, two foundations for God's goodness and his forgiveness. Firstly, unfailing love. This is the word in Hebrew, hesed, God's covenant mercy. The fact that God will not give up on you and me, his child. He is worthy of trust. Because of that, we can put our belief and confidence in him. Because of his covenant mercy, he has promised to help us. He is faithful and just. And then secondly, with him is full redemption. Plenteous, 
and abounding. And so the psalmist testifies that God's deliverance to his problem, God's forgiveness for his sin, is wonderfully able and sufficient to cover and to save him from the consequences. The redemption is full and abounding. Redemption speaks about the fact that God will buy us back when we are far away from him, in the jaws of Satan, in sin's power and curse, he is mighty to save. He is able to deliver. Nothing, nothing is able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ. God's redemption is full and able to set us free. Like the prodigal in Luke chapter 15 the young man comes to his senses and he's there in the pig pen and he's feeding the swine. And then as he looks out and thinks back, he says, how many hired servants are better off than me in my father's house? I will arise and go to my father. Why? Because he is able to save me. My friend, there is a crimson cure for every scarlet sin. There is a crimson cure for every scarlet sin. And that means that every crime that I have committed against God can be forgiven because of precious blood. Because of the sufficiency of the cross of the Lord Jesus, because of the precious Lamb of God that we've been remembering this morning, He is able to save us and set us free. It's a bloodstained track. It's a bloodstained track because it has, been, it has been trod by one who was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The Lord Jesus took the chastisement of our peace on himself. His back was ploughed like furrows. His face was smitten. Why? Because we, the guilty soul, need his redemption. And so the message of this psalm is that we can be clean and know redemption because the sinless Saviour died. The next slide shows us that as we come out of slavery, we come into glorious freedom because of the precious blood of Christ. Do we need this psalm today? I do. Do you need this psalm for your life, for the year ahead? I believe we do. Hukanui, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Sadly, the, the pig pen in, in the cartoon that I've been telling you about, he never actually gets clean. But we can. This doesn't actually appear in, in, the, in the strip where he actually washes himself clean. But we can. We can be cleansed when we know the forgiveness of a loving God. I just want to close with some applications for us as we go from here. Firstly, do we cry out for God's mercy? Have we cried out to God for his forgiveness and mercy? I don't want this psalm to be a cause of guilt and grief without that hope that we have. 
D.L. Moody, the amazing American evangelist, said that if there was less guilt and more sense of deliverance, there would be so many less people in psychiatric wards today. Guilt cripples us. Guilt stifles us. It takes away our our joy. It robs us of our relationship with God and with each other. But this is not a guilt trip, my friends. This is a trip, a journey in forgiveness and God's grace and mercy. So do we cry out for God? And secondly, is our conscience in tune with God's holy word? Because if we've never read this psalm from our hearts and been broken, perhaps it's because our conscience is not in tune with God. You see, we can get so complacent, we can get so blasé about sin and about wrong that we forget those two important words, I'm sorry. They are forgotten words, aren't they? They are forgotten words in our relationships. How often in our homes, in our families, those are the words that we so seldom hear. We might hear thank you occasionally. We might say, please, and I love you. What about I'm sorry to God? Is our conscience in tune with God? Have we realized the horror of sin? Have we realized how much God hates sin and how much it stains and damages our relationship with God? Fourthly, do we renounce our sins and reverence God? There is forgiveness that you might be feared. So there's that thought of confession. Do we do that? Have we placed our hope and trust in God's provision? And finally, as we come to this psalm of forgiveness, are we too channels of God's grace and mercy to those that we meet? Are we forgivers? We've been forgiven... Therefore, are we able to say to those of us that need it, God's forgiven you, I forgive you. That was the Lord's Prayer, wasn't it? Forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who trespass against us. How much we need that light of forgiveness to be channels of God's grace and his forgiveness for us. And so... As we close, may we be thinking of those words from that old hymn, Have Your Own Way, Lord, Have Your Own Way. I wonder if we can sing that together. In Mission Praise, Have Thine Own Way, 212. Do we have a musician today who would be able to do that? Thanks, Margaret. 212. Let's just close in prayer and then we'll sing this hymn together and then after that the service is over. 212, have thine own way, Lord. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Saviour divine. May the Lord help us to pray this prayer and cry for his amazing forgiveness. Let's pray together before we sing this hymn. Almighty God, we thank you so much for your amazing, incredible forgiveness. Father, you are a holy and just God. You are righteous. You are all-knowing. You are all-seen. You are all-powerful. 
And we, your people, want to bow before you this, this morning as we commence a new year, as we seek to be in fellowship with you and with your people. We pray that we will cry out to you. We will know your forgiveness. We will know that confession and that reverence and that godly fear. And we will also be channels of this wonderful love and forgiveness and mercy to those that we meet. Thank you that we can be sure. We can be so confident as we've read in your word today, you are a forgiving God. And on the basis of your full redemption and your abounding mercy, we claim that forgiveness and we pray. Have your own way, Lord. Have your own way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.